Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe or why you believe it. You're just on a frontier with a lot of other people who are exploring, who are deciding what they believe, why they believe it, and yet holding on to all that very loosely. So what we like to do on this podcast is we like to kind of explore various topics. Um, and sometimes, you know, we get right to it because we got lots to say and we're going to, you know, bring it right to you. And sometimes we explore a little bit and it takes us a little while to kind of feel out where we end up in the end. So uh, we want to invite you to go on that journey with us, whichever one it ends up being this week. Um, so yeah, stick with us or uh, whether we're right into it or whether it takes us a little bit to get there. Um, we're glad you're here with us. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name's Ryan Harris. And today we're going to start looking at some fundamentals of Christianity, at least or so we were told. Yeah, or so we were told. And that is the attributes of God. The attributes of God uh, are numerous, but the three that really get focused on quite a bit are what we could call the the omnis: omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. Um, the last one's pretty easy to define. Omnipresence means omni is just the Latin word for all, so all all present, ever present. So God is always around. He is always everywhere. Present. Uh, yeah, everywhere. Um, and at all times at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, he is outside of time almost is how so every when, I guess you could say every when. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's that omniscience is, uh, omni knowing is all knowing. So God knows everything past, present and future. He knows the complexity of everything. He knows how the world is put together. He knows what's going to happen, so on and so forth. And and omnipotence is all-powerful. And that's why I usually say omnipotent, because it's power. It's a good um, way to remember, yeah. So God can do anything God wants to do. Anything from creating the universe to making the daisies sprout in the field to helping me find my keys when I'm late for work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think like anything would be, it, there's limits to that, and we're going to talk about that. But a, a big limitation, of course, is he can't do evil things. He can't do things against his nature, um, which we'll Quote. probably Quote. talk about. Yes. Quote, nature, yes. Uh, these these three and a lot of other attributes, but specifically these three are, are some that we want to talk about. Well, actually two of them, omnipotence and omniscience, because these two set up a lot of challenges for modern day theology. And I thought we'd just start by examining why. Why are we talking about this? Why does Ryan and Nate, why do we care about this? So Ryan, why don't you start? Why do you care about talking about these omnis? Yeah, I think for me, um, it's because these ideas about God, these attributes of God, these ones specifically, have were always taught to me like they were just givens, like they they weren't even questions about whether they were true. They were just taken as fact, kind of a baseline starting point. God must be all-powerful, and I don't think it even went any farther than that, but kind of in, implicit in that is because if God is not, then none of this makes sense, right? Like an all-powerful God can't could not have created the universe or a God who is not all powerful could not have created the universe kind of stuff, you know? Um, and I think 
the all knowing part was similar, but it was more about things that having to do with free will and, and those kind of things. Like does that do, does God know choices made before they're made and, and all those kinds of questions. And depending on what sect you're in, those questions are answered very differently. But some aspect of it was always listed as God must be all powerful and God must be all knowing. And just to put my cards on the table here, I don't think for me, the omnipresence isn't as important of a thing to think about just because the implications of that one of God being all present or not don't seem as grave <laughs> as the other two. Right. So anyway, why I, why it's important for me is because I've been wanting to re-examine as many of the givens as I can, not because I'm convinced that they are needing to be jettisoned or that I've decided God is not all-powerful or all-knowing. I honestly don't know, but I want to really... Some of the implications of those were always hand-waved away for me, especially the ones that would be viewed of as negative. And so I just, I want to really look at those questions and ask the question. So what, if God is, then what? If God is not, then what? Rather than just saying, this is the answer because it has to be. Because I think those, that, that approach to most things and especially theology is problematic. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what brought it up for me. So why, why is it important for you? I think in the same way, I'm uh, questioning or examining, re-examining givens. For me, I know it comes from a different perspective. And for me, it, it's almost always philosophy. And one of the things I, I've shared this story, one of the things that really struck me as odd was the concept of the soul was borrowed from um, ancient philosophy, from Plato. And it was borrowed from Plato in order to make a, uh, a, a theological argument, Aquinas did this, and um, it was really helpful for what he was talking to Plotinus about, um, a follower of Plato, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because that brought in the concept of the soul, which the New and Old Testament both translate as life, nephesh, not, and zoe, not the soul, and so whenever I discover something as, as crucial and fundamental, I wonder, is that something that we've used because it's so handy for us in a particular time, modernism, for example, and maybe we should move on from that? Like, so is, are the, I don't know, but are the attributes of God really helpful for a certain mindset, for a certain culture, a certain way of thinking and as you noted, it becomes problematic, and it is becoming problematic for us right now. And maybe it's time to say, hey, that was really helpful for us at some point, but it's not really helpful anymore. And I'm just curious if that's where we are right now. And that's why, yeah. for me, asking those questions is really important. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of wondering, um, and it may not be this clearly you know, between the two, but I wonder, are these things a pillar or are they a crutch? You know, so like, as I've been taught them, do we, do we need them to stay that way? Or are they that way? Because we've said, well, if we can't, the whole house of cards collapses. And 
if that's the case, there's a problem because it shouldn't be a house of cards, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> something, something firm foundation. So yeah. um, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so just kind of looking at that. And I don't expect that um, at the end of this episode, I'll be like, ah, God is or God isn't, you know, um, because I think looking at it that way is sort of maybe what got us into this mess in the first place. But I do think that, but that doesn't mean that we can't look at it seriously and ask some of these questions that we're probably going to ask and just kind of ponder implications of whatever comes up. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's one of our goals with this podcast is to do that with whatever topics we're talking about is, you know, if it makes us uncomfortable, it might be because we've gone wrong somewhere or it might be because we're actually getting to the things that really need to be addressed. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, let's just see what happens and see where it goes and trust that God's not um, fragile in the sense that, you know, God's like, oh, don't talk about that. Don't go there. You might get somewhere bad, like God can handle yeah. it. So, um, you know, let's put on our big boy girl or big boy or big bo- big girl pants or whatever it is and just see what happens. So with that in mind, let's just jump to, we've kind of hinted at it here and there. Uh, what are the problems that come up with omnipotence? What what can that actually lead us to? Yeah. Well, I think an omnipotent God in the way that I was taught about omnipotence, right? So there is literally nothing God cannot do except evil, right? Um, it can create a God who is distant at best and at worst... Um, monstrous, cold, um, indifferent, right? Any of those things. Because if a if God is powerful enough to create the universe, sustain the universe, build all of the laws of physics and nature and all these things to work so that they do, the questions, I mean, it's really theodicy, right? These are not new questions. People have been asking questions of evil. How can evil be? How can, you know, et cetera. How is all this the case if God is all powerful? Because if God is good and we're told that God is good, then why, I mean, why do bad things happen? with the frequency and the severity that they do, right? We're not talking about, I got a flat tire here. We're talking about children with bone cancer, genocide, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I think the big, and, and, and don't get me wrong, people answered these questions, right? There's been whole books written about them, but I don't know about you. There still are are and probably always will be. Um, But none of the answers I've heard, have ever been like, ah, that's better. Now I know what to say when someone brings those things up. I I think there are answers that um, can be helpful. I think there are things that um, are worth thinking about. But by and large, in my experience, most of them were, well, very hand-wavy things like, well, God's ways are not our ways and we don't know God's plan. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's how do you say that to someone who lost their baby? Yeah. You know, like people say it, they do, but they shouldn't. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. Like those those kinds of things are the things that come up for me. Let's because uh, I think you separated the the reasons why omnipotence can be horrifying into two categories, which would be God is either indifferent or distant. Mm-hmm. Or God is a monster. Right. Indifferent is the things. best case scenario, it would seem. 
Right. You, or you could make the case that indifferent, an indifferent God is the best we could hope for if God is all-powerful and chooses not to make things better. Right? Yeah. The, uh, the image I always think of about the indifferent God is the watchmaker. It's kind of like an apologetics. It's somebody who mm-hmm. sets up the watch to run, and then it kind of runs. So he's all-powerful to make things run and go on its way, but he's kind of detached and not Mm -hmm. really interested even when it breaks or when it shows disrepair the watchmaker doesn't go back it just kind of lets the watch run and run and run is that kind of what you think of when it comes to yeah i mean that's that classic deist view right um now i'm not saying people who believe that god is all-powerful are deists or that that, that's not what i mean and you know there are much more sophisticated arguments that they that can be brought up than just oh god's ways are not our ways sure but um in i've never heard one or been exposed to one that that was like oh okay that's why bone cancer is all right you know <laughs> right yeah and it's kind of i think the reason why that's so problematic if I were to be so bold is because it, it bothers us as human beings. Why wouldn't it bother God? Right. I right. Think Especially that's if is. God is love and God um, feels everything we feel and, and, you know, all of these things, especially through Christ, right. If, if, if uh, Christ is our great high priest and, and is, is a man, a human being, all these kinds of things, then the questions are like, well, then we'll come on. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, especially in my case, coming from a world that has a lot of space and believes very firmly in things like divine healing. Okay, so um, believes that God can miraculously heal people's bodies of illness or, um, you know, make miracles happen that somehow benefit people. Well, if God can do that, why doesn't God do that? Like, what's special about Maud that she gets it, but Fred is just shit out of luck? Right. Yeah. And that's usually where the, well, we don't know God's will stuff comes in. Um, but those, so yeah, like the system is my system that I came from was set up for those kinds of things. But then, so why? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's the indifference. I imagine the God being a monster would be um, the framing of all power omnipotence by saying, well, God has the power, but he chooses not to do something, right? right? Well, That's usually how I've heard of the problem of God being a monster. Yeah, it's either, yeah, it's usually that. And it's usually something along the lines of um, the clumsy ones are, well, like I said, well, we don't know God's plans or will or whatever. I think the better ones are something along the lines of, well, God is working things out in ways we can't see, or, um, you know, something to, something to do about leading to the eschaton and the completion of all things, you know, those kinds of things. Like those are better answers, but you know, when I see the person with metastatic bone cancer, who is in so much pain that the painkillers of the strongest kind don't help anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I did not tell her, well, just wait till the eschaton when, when, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so, so those kinds of things, I think. Um, okay. So God is either indifferent because he set things up or, you know, there's lots of because's, but one of the ways would be because he set things up and he's kind of a detached God. 
outside of Jesus, of course, in the Christian tradition. The deist one would just say, well, he's gone and that's it. You see him when you die, maybe. <laughs> yeah, this is um, a tempest in a teapot because it, it doesn't it doesn't matter, right. right? Yeah. A Christian deist, if you will, would say, well, God took care of all of that through Jesus and that's mm -hmm. his thing. But now it's like, whatever, um, the Holy Spirit moves, but he's still kind of indifferent. He right. moves to save people and that's about it. Yeah. Just um, to clarify, by the way, I'm not, and I don't think Nate is either. I'm not saying that these questions I'm bringing up are the ones that I'm like, this is where I'm at because I've, you know, I've thrown out God being all powerful because I believe these things. But it's more that these are the things that come up and I'm having trouble just dismissing them like I used to. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a common thing in Christian circles to dismiss these things because. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're hard. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, most most people don't enjoy thinking these things through. Well, I don't uh, either, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I get it. It's tough. It's easier just to wave it away. There is an element of trust in that, which I will always honor. But at mm -hmm. the same time, it's woefully um, disingenuous intellectually, I would say, to and not that anybody is blamed for that. It's just if we're going to be somebody like me that wants to think about the faith, then I have to think about stuff like this. And that's why we're we're doing it. Yeah. The kinds of things that bring up those questions, um, like these responses seem so cavalier. And these things are not cavalier things, right? Yeah, Whatever right. terrible thing you're thinking about. Um, you know, so uh yeah, I think to be fair also, there is an element of whenever we're talking about God, we're stumbling in the dark and, you know, there is an equality of God where we're not going to figure all of these things out. And that's a, that that's fair, right? Like I said, that might be shades of that might be some of the better approaches to this mm -hmm. kind of question, these kinds of questions. I think of Job. That's where Job really mm -hmm. is. Um a lot, I actually preached on Job today, and I've been thinking about that a lot in, in the midst of this conversation we were going to have. Uh, Job is used differently than it's written. It's used to shame people not to think about stuff and not to question God. But really what God does there is, is remind Job, hey, you're a human being, one single human being in a time and place of my choosing, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, just remember that, right? <laughs> there's complexity and challenge mm -hmm. with it and all that. And I think there's just wisdom in recognizing that, which is why it's there. It's Solomon and his wisdom literature. It's reminding us that, hey, a lot of this is beyond our pay grade, if you will. However, it doesn't mean that there's not implications and not worth thinking about it. Right. Um, so I think that's where the line is for me is, okay, we can still think about it recognizing that we're human beings as you just did, but that doesn't stop us from thinking about it. It just flavors how we think about it, I'd say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've got, uh, by the way, I'm tracking with you. I think most people who are listening are tracking with you. That's probably the, the main problems with omnipotence is like, well, when you run into theodicies, it's always going to be the case. Like yeah, when I you mean, run into evil, why? Most of you have probably heard someone who's not a Christian say, well, I just can't get on board because, yeah, right? right? And we all, growing up, I was, I was like, okay, what's, I gotta, gotta, gotta find <laughs> yeah. the answer so I can answer that. And well, spoiler, I never did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as we're just playing with this, we've named kind of the problem with omnipotence. 
Some would say that we can just throw out omnipotence altogether, um, mm-hmm. that you don't need it. And we're going to tackle that specific question in a bit. But I'm curious, what would be the problem with having power gone from God or our, mm-hmm. our concept of God altogether? Yeah, I mean, the reason I've, even with all those things I brought up that I'm really trying to wrestle with, the reason I still struggle to... Um, totally abandon the idea of an all-powerful God is because I don't know that that's better um, in the sense that do, I mean, what are the, what are the implications of a God who is not able to do those kinds of things, right? So um, especially since I've had experiences or heard stories or seen things that it sure seems like God is, if not all-powerful, close enough for government work, right? Um, And (laughs) so like, if God is not all powerful in the way that we were taught, um, does that mean that there's no hope for, I mean, you know, uh, for a lot of us and, and how do things like the incarnation work if God's not all powerful? I mean, clearly there, there'd still be something about God that is much higher than human beings, but, but it seems to diminish a lot of those things too. Um, you know, God is, is great, but God is not like, you know, greatest or whatever. And that seems to bring up implications for those kinds of things. And like, do, I'm just not convinced that the system where God can't intervene or where God is not powerful enough to affect change on these kinds of things we brought up, like that's equally depressing, I think. Um, especially since, you know, it's one thing to talk about, say, one person having um, horrible cancer. It's another thing to talk about um, redemption of large systems and things throughout history. And I just wonder how that works if God is not all powerful, you know. I mean, I guess you could say God is powerful enough to do those things. <laughs> yeah. But that too, I mean, it's just like, well, what does that even, what does that mean? Right. Like I try to avoid zero sum games or all or nothings, but I wonder maybe this one is, maybe it's not, I don't know. I just, well, what do you think about that? So what if, so what are the implications for you of if God's not all powerful, does, where does that, what are some things that come up for you? Yeah, I think this is an interesting difference between you and I, and we've touched on this every once in a while, that power is a big part of your theology, or at least Mm -hmm. the one you grew up with. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's really not like we don't focus on God's power too much outside of the power of Christ and the incarnation and uh, the the new creation, if you will. Mm -hmm. I think where evangelicalism has kind of snuck into Lutheranism would be then the original creation of Mm -hmm. God creating out of nothing and, and that whole thing. So he needs to be all power for powerful for that. Right. But I think if you kind of give that away just for the sake of argument, then Lutheran theology doesn't seem to be too hung up with powerlessness. See, but but I wonder, though, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here because, you know, not a Lutheran. <laughs> but I wonder <laughs> about, um, you know, let's. I mean, we've said before that a lot of it for, for you folks is, well, all of it is focused on justification, yeah, right? Uh-huh. So given how terribly separated human beings are from God because of sin. 
what does the wrath of God and the forgiveness of God and all of the, like, do those have the same effect if God is not all powerful, right? Uh, maybe they do. I don't know. I just, does that make sense? Like, um, yeah. Well, I would say forgiveness would, would not really be effective. I don't th- or affected. I don't think because that's a relational thing. So mm-hmm. what Jesus did in that, theology of justification is kind of that substitutionary atonement. And so he gives himself up so that our relationship would be healed. You don't need much power to do that outside of the power of the incarnation, if you will. But even there, it was, you know, God gave up his power to become like us. That's usually, mm-hmm. that's Philippians 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he he lowered himself to be like us and so we focus on on that part um, more than anything. So I think yeah. when it comes to forgiveness, not so much, but with wrath and hell, if you will, mm-hmm. I think this is one of those things where I wonder if it's Lutheran or evangelicalism that's debated in, in our circles and right. taught because I think hell and, and God's anger – Again, if I were to be bold and and just take a shot at it, I would think that it's more uh, contextualized as a relational thing. Like you choose not to be, or you choose and not choose because that's, yeah, uh, another thing (laughs) entirely. Mm -hmm. Um, But you are either in a right relationship with God or you are not. And hell is simply the consequences of not being in that relationship. It is not an active power from God to damn ones, one person. Yeah. I guess I just wonder because, um, you know, the way it talks about God's wrath and, and like you read some of the minor prophets and it talks about God's wrath, literally melting mountains kind of stuff. Yeah. You uh-huh. know? And that like in that system, this is the wrath that Jesus took on himself so that we didn't have to yeah. kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, and I just wonder about like, um, you know, does Jesus's sacrifice mean the same thing if God's not like, do you see what I mean? Like, like, yeah. does mm-hmm. wouldn't, it seems like that would cheapen it somewhat to me. Mm. Okay. Um, but I'm not, that's, that's me as an outsider. Although in that case, those might be some of the same questions. I don't know, but yeah, um, it sounds more yeah. like, um, so I don't know Lutherans who are listening. If, if I'm floundering here and I'm not really seeing things the way that we're taught, please, please emails and let us yeah. know. But for I'm me, I contextualize it. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be as big of a thing for, at least for me as one mm-hmm. Lutheran in our church body, um, God's power, uh, or let's say God being all powerful does not seem to have much of a, a loss. If he, he loses that, I think it, what it does is it creates, a, a doubt of God's ability, I would okay. say, to do certain things, whether or not he's all powerful or powerful enough is a key distinction for many people, because mm-hmm. if he's just powerful enough, then there's the doubt like, okay, well, what if he's not powerful enough to do this, that, or the other? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a critical thing, something that will come up quite a bit, uh, but I don't think it's got a lot of implications within our theology. Again, I could be way off. I could be. Um, I'm 
spoiler, kind of away from omnipotence myself. Well, so I mean, it's fair I'm enough. I just differently. Was, I was just curious um, about that. So if I were to ask then, um, what's so terrifying to you about that? Like you, you spoke a little bit about why it would be hard, mm. but what's terrifying about God losing his all powerfulness? If, if God is not all powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think, I think for me, some of this probably comes from the fact that I've been steeped in this idea that God is imminent and present and, and not just like present in the sense of like, yeah, God's in the room, but like God is <laughs> acting on, like on even, we'll personalize it. God is acting on my behalf on a regular daily basis for everything from the scope of my life to the stuff that happens during the day, you know? And so the idea that I don't see how God could do that for every human being if God is not all powerful. Like you could say that God is powerful enough to do that, but that just sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? <laughs> like the fact that God could keep track of all of that and do all of that if God is not all powerful, right? I mean, at the very least, God must have a tremendous staff um, if, if God is not all powerful. Uh, some very long Well, that's why he has guardian, guardian angels, right? Well, exactly, that's right. Yeah. And some of us have a larger crew than others. But um, <laughs> the implications of that are, can that be the case if God is not, like like I said, can God be powerful enough to do that without being all powerful? Mm. Especially since this is yeah. the God that supposedly created and sustained the entire universe. Like, I know you said that earlier, but to me, that's the other thing of like, the idea that God could do that and not do anything just seems kind of preposterous, doesn't it? Mm. What it... So it sounds like the thing that terrifies you is not a loss of power, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a loss of eminence? Yeah, I think, I think, um, well, I think it's both because, like, I still get a lot of hope from the idea that God can and does help people who are in those terrible situations, you know? Um, and so I don't want to lose that. Like, I don't like the idea of a God who can't do anything, right? But I think you're onto something in that it's also um, it really, I don't know if cheapens is the right word, but it really detracts from the idea of God being imminent and powerfully so, um, like the way that I was taught. And honestly, that I think I still hold on to for the most part pretty closely. Um, I, I think I differ on some things and maybe some modes and that kind of thing, but I, I haven't really gotten rid of that. I actually think that's one of the things that, one of the best things that Pentecostals gave to, to theology and, and a lot of people could benefit from, even if they differ on how that looks and what that means, you know, but, um, mm. yeah, so I, I, I would be loath to lose that. And now maybe, maybe that's, um, What's the word? Maybe that's not a false dichotomy or something. I don't know. But it, that's, to, to me, those are the things that false come up. Correlation. That, yeah, like I, maybe those two aren't like, um, you know, set in stone that way. But the when I think about it, that's those are the kind of things that I say, well, gosh, I don't know if that's better, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting to me because... I don't connect eminence to power um, really very much, I don't mm. think. 
Yeah. Um, at least in my heritage. Now, yeah. I might, like in my, if I were to digest the, uh, digest, if I were to explore the, um, you know, logic behind my beliefs, it might be there. But yeah, I think that's really fascinating. Um, since you asked it about me, does that mean for you, like Jesus on the cross kind of loses its uh, impact as well if if it's not all yeah, I powerful? I don't know. You know, that's another question I've been thinking about. Like, I've already been pretty comfortable with not abandoning the substitutionary atonement entirely, but at the very, but, but, uh, really, um, put the brakes on, shall we say, you know, <laughs> yeah. at, at, if nothing else, really thinking about what else might be going on, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I do wonder, especially about things like not just the death on the cross, but the resurrection, right? Like not just, and not just how does that happen, but like, what does that mean for us, for Christians, for faith? Um, you know, was it like a magic trick then? Was it like, you know, like, no, right. but, and, and I'm not straw man. That's what I was looking for. I'm not trying. I hope I'm not setting up straw man <laughs> here. Um, no, I would is... say resurrection's probably the trickiest part for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Um, because if, if God is not all-powerful, then you have to, well, at least all-powerful in the way that we think about it, then what does that say about our resurrection, mm -hmm. certainly, but even Jesus' resurrection? Right. Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of the heresies in the early church were about rectifying God's power as mm -hmm. one who rose rose a man from the dead even with ezekiel and the dry bones that's an edit because i said the wrong book and i don't want to look like an idiot so if god's not powerful in the way over that how is he powerful over death mm -hmm. corruption of sin i i want to believe that i think i have to believe that i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know if you have to to be a christian necessarily but I think I have to, where I am in my journey, is believing that God's more powerful than corruption, uh, than evil, mm. than sin, than death. Well, um, I think, but I think that's a big thing, right? Like the idea that Christ could conquer death, death itself. I mean, I think that's even, in some ways, that's even more powerful than sin, right? Because what yeah. is, sin leads to death, right. you know, that kind of thing. And so the idea that anybody, you know, could conquer death, like, I mean, that would almost that that would require the the idea of all powerfulness, wouldn't it? Because death is like the only thing that gets everybody other than, well, it even did get Jesus, but then didn't. You know what I mean? Like, so I just I wonder about that's what I mean when I wonder about resurrection and, and, and things like that is like. In order for Christ's sacrifice to do some of those things, it just seems like. Again, people could disagree and maybe tell us some things we're missing here, but it seems like you'd almost require that kind of omnipotence for that to be a thing. Mm. Yeah, I wonder, something that's really struck me is that difference that we're bringing out every once in a while, the difference between pow all-powerful and powerful enough. Mm -hmm. How would you delineate those two? How would you separate those two? But that's what I mean. You, you can't, don't know. right? Okay. Because where's the line that is enough? 
Um, what does the word enough even mean in terms of universe creating and sustaining life, mm. resurrecting, death conquering, like not to mention in my uh, way of things of um, micromanaging in some way, right? Mm. Every human being on the planet and who's ever lived and all of that kind of stuff. Um, what, I mean, you, like, I don't think there isn't enough in the, in those things <laughs> other than, right. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, I hope this isn't a semantic thing. It doesn't sound like it, it doesn't feel like it anyway. Um, you know, I think for me, I'm just struggling because it's a hard thing to put parameters on. Um, yeah. yeah. So we don't like God with all the power. We don't like God with no power or well, not I, being I, all powerful. No, I like God with all the power, and I also don't like God with all the power. Okay. And I like God without all the power, but I also don't like God without okay. all the power. <laughs> so is that just where we're left? Are we left there? You know, I don't know. I think that um, I want to recognize how um, naughty, as in K-N-O-T-T-Y, <laughs> this is, right, um, in that... I am be the first one to admit that I, none of us can see all the dimensions of these kinds of things. And that I think there is something to some of those answers about, well, we don't know everything about God and we can't figure all of these things out. And there are things that I think God is doing that we can't and won't see. But at the same time, you know, um, that's not good enough by itself. You know, I, I think I have a lot more respect for the people, and I have encountered this, by the way, sometimes you do run into people who will say, you know, I don't have an answer for that, but let me tell you about what God has done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think to me, that's always had a ring of truth to it in the sense of like, well, um, okay, I can deal with that, but we can go with that. You know what I mean? More than just, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, they died, but you'll see them again in heaven, you know, or whatever mm -hmm. it is. I wonder if you're your theology of free will can help answer the question a little bit. Folks, that's a segue. <laughs> <laughs> this is not in our theology, but in your theology, free will, or at least man's free will, is an area where God, does God insist? Does he push? Does he make things happen according to, God, to man's free will? Um, In terms of, it depends on what we're talking about, right? Like, uh, let me just say personally, because I think this is still what I think about some of these things. It's hard to say, right? I change yeah. my mind a lot or question a lot, but <laughs> I think that God coaxes and convinces and, um, you know, softens hearts, those kinds of things. I do not think that God coerces or forces. Um, so if you want, the, the one that always comes up, of course, is salvation. That's kind of the big one with this, right? Yeah. Um, and I know that there are critiques of the, quote, decision-based uh, whatever. And yeah, some of them are very... talking to somebody who's in that church body. Well, that but some of them are heavily. very fair, right? Like, there is stuff to talk about where you're like, well, wait a minute. And so that just, by the way, that's just the idea that, like, um, I assented to salvation and that was required for salvation to take place. That's what I mean right. by that. Yeah. Right. Um, and some people from where I came from, that's kind of the bedrock of how it works. And then there are some like you folks who say, no, no, no. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I think that that is kind of part of it is like, 
And, you know, it's interesting. It strikes me that that is a way that God, for me anyway, and in that belief that God does limit God's power, right? Because it seems if God is all powerful, God could, well, God could do whatever God wanted. And so God should be able to just, you know, make me say yes. Um, And so I guess in a way you could say that is a way that God limits God's power in that God has given humans the gift of being able to choose in that way or not. Mm. Um, if it is a gift, <laughs> I mean, I think it is compared to some of the alternatives, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah. It does seem like that's a boundary that God doesn't cross. Right. Uh, free will or see, I get, I get hung up on free will just like any other good Lutheran. I would say seems to me God works in such a way in this world where he truly does see us as his children, as brothers and sisters in Christ and values us in that way. And so I like that word you used. He doesn't seem to be coercive really at all when it comes to that kind of stuff. Creates a lot of questions, well, but at least he's not except coercive. Except maybe in some cases like Pharaoh, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You always got to complicate that, so. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a unique situation, though, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Um, and not the point. I know. Is God coercive in free will? Your your theology would certainly say no. Right. Um, and I think that then at least leaves room to ask the question, two parts, two parts of the question. Is God's power coercive? Mm. Secondly, um, if it's not coercive, then is he really all powerful? Hmm. Well, and so, okay, so like that is an interesting question, right? So if God were to intervene in a way that um, stops me from doing something I want to do, that seems like a bad coercive, right? Mm-hmm. On the yeah. other hand, if God intervenes and prevents murder, that seems like a good thing, but that's also coercive, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, yeah. God prevents, you know, and, and so the uh, it feels like, well, but that's fine because that's bad, yeah. right? And I, I mean, yes, I agree that murder is bad, but um, like, is it, but it, would even that be okay, though, for God to, um, and whatever okay means, I just mean like, is that better if God intervenes in the sense of prohibiting human beings from take your pick? Right. I would say it still is coercive, right? It's yeah. still changing things in a very disruptive, powerful way. Uh, yeah. I would also add outside of anecdotes that one person who's listening to this podcast would have doesn't seem to be God's MO. Doesn't, doesn't seem, seem to, be to be the way God works. Right. Um, you know, you well, get I mean, stories here and there, but. It seems like I was taught that is the way God works with the quote good things, right? You know, God healed this person or God did that. And that was never thought of as coercive, but I think it is. We just like it. it. So, you know, that that kind of thing. My critique of that is always, I don't think you understand. Well, that's what I'm saying. No, but that's there, what I'm there's saying. There's a lot is, of systems in place that get you those blessings that you you think are coercive blessings, but they're my, really just natural in the world. You or know, privilege. Yeah, exactly. Or privilege. Yeah. And and my thought that I'm coming on today, or, or have been thinking, is just that like I'm not actually sure that's 
all good like we think it is. There does seem to be a trope that explores this in art, movies, entertainment, where somebody gets the power to make a change, whether that's in the past or um, in the current life that they wouldn't otherwise have that power. And they try to do that, but then it messes things up because that's Mm -hmm. the nature of power. I think that's really the issue at hand is that the issue, the, the nature of power, the way that power works, especially, or maybe even only when it's coercive is destructive. It's not, um, but then, you know, I think to myself, and we're rambling here, but then I think to myself, that's not the case for the resurrection. That's not the case for Jesus entering in and destroying death. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's really it's really an interesting question around coercive power. Uh, if God doesn't have coercive power, we kind of rested on the question, is coercive power bad? I would typically say yes, and I think you you agreed through what we were talking, right? Coercive power is probably bad. Not always. I don't know. Is it always bad? I think that, I think that it probably is a lot more than we tend to think, even in some of the things we'd say were quote good. I don't know that God's coercive power, if that's a thing, um, would always like necessarily have to be inherently bad. Like, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm kind of thinking about it out loud, you know, talk, thinking yeah. it out loud here. Um, it's kind of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, that's the, that's the idea. <laughs> but it um, is a really, for me at least in the question of omnipotence or omnipotence coercion, it has to be where that question rotates around um, yeah. or rests is coercive power. Because I agree with you. Let's just jump to, the place I agree, and then we can come back to this, but I agree that I think God's power primarily, if not only, is in persuasion, in convincing, in working. I mean, the Holy Spirit's called a um, you know, a helper, a paraclete, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not a, a bouncer. An, <laughs> yeah. Or an enforcer yeah. or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um and it seems to me that God prefers to work that way, certainly. We can say that, I think, no matter where you are on the spectrum of omnipotence, he prefers to work through persuasion. I think for me, it's uh, I'm my journey has been one where I'm just more comfortable with that. So for me, yes, I'm much more comfortable and I'm leaning more into the idea that God is persuasive. And I think that's weird in Lutheran circles, certainly in in Christian circles, broadly speaking, uh, persuasive power is not as sexy as coercive power. Okay. It isn't. Wait, but I'm confused though. And and I'm not arguing. I'm I'm genuinely confused here. And maybe this is the same issue we were talking about earlier, but how is salvation, however salvation works, whether I have agency or not, or whatever, how is that not coercive? If we are being transformed into something entirely new, transferred from darkness to light, whatever metaphor you want to use or whatever, how is that? Isn't that coercive power? Good question. I'm thinking through. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know, but it, it feels like it. So, because I'm a Lutheran, you were talking about salvation, and I also was thinking you're talking a lot about sanctification. 
Um, okay, well, take your pick. <laughs> Either one, right? I think sanctification for Lutherans, it's a lot easier to say it's persuasive power, not coercive, that hmm. that God is making us into something new, but we're all going to be on different paths in different ways. And Well, but if God is making us into anything, isn't well, that coercive? As he, not, not, no, yes. If he is in the all-powerful way, yes, uh-huh. it is coercive. But he's doing so through our partnership through our work with him um agents yeah right yeah <laughs> well so i'm a jerk <clears throat> we we don't have any problem with agency and sanctification right Lutherans right. generally don't okay it's with justification that we have that and that's why salvation that's why i had to make that distinction yeah. uh, but to answer justification is justification coercive ah <sighs> So Martin Luther says something that I say often, not by my own power or strength, can I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to him? Mm-hmm. And we have this imagery a lot of the Holy Spirit working through, um, uh, you know, Paul's image of the watering and planting of the seed, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And Lutherans have this uh, doctrine of means where the Holy Spirit works through means, whether that's through people, through systems, through whatever. For me, I think that's all very persuasive, right? I think it's your, let's say, a typical Lutheran, unfortunately, a typical Lutheran experience is you're baptized into the church. Um, you are brought up inside the church. You're named a child of God in baptism. And then as you are growing up and you are learning what this all is, God is speaking, he's working through the people, the pastor, the Sunday school teachers, your parents, so on and so forth, and bringing about a fullness of that. Um, The problem with what I just said, however, (laughs) is the baptism piece, right? And I think that's probably where you're thinking of coercion Mm -hmm. is the Mm -hmm. baptism piece. Especially if you baptize people who aren't assenting to it. Not that they wouldn't. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, the, that. Yeah. Yeah. It is an interesting question. I don't have an answer. Yeah. Um, I don't either. That wasn't set up to be like, ha ha, gotcha. No, it, was it more wasn't. Of just no. like, I don't. And, and it's, it's helping it makes... me understand more of what coercive power really looks like and what, where it is in my theology. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder if God does not exercise coercive power sometimes, somehow, some way, does does that mean, and I don't know, but does that mean then that God is that distant, um, mm. uninvolved watchmaker type thing? Mm. Um, like, is it possible for God to exercise power that is not in some way coercive just by nature of God being God? And I don't know. Then that's why I say I wonder if coercive power is always bad. Okay. If it's from God. Yeah. I mean. Boy, that gives me a lot to think about. Yeah, because my initial thought, as I said, was that coercion is always bad. But maybe. Um, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. That's, I don't that's know really either. tricky. I really one. don't. Yeah. I would say... Like, so the, the exercise we've done, the theological exercise is one in the pressure points, the pressure points of where power really matters. Um, outside of that, that's where I'm more comfortable saying mm-hmm. that it's persuasive than coercion. But you're very good at, at 
bringing to the conversation those pressure points, which are really important for understanding omnipotence. And, you know, tell me if this is too hand wavy, but I wonder if when it comes to the exercise of power, maybe coercive power is bad every time a human uses it. And I wonder if can we trust God in a way that we can't trust other humans because God is love and God wants our good and God has transferred us from darkness to light, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't know, maybe again, maybe that's too neat of an answer to feels hand wavy. It does, it does. doesn't it? It's yeah. just, but at the same I mean, I, I get it. There's something God to is, it. There is something to it. Uh, but in fact, not, that's where Job goes with it. I think is, God shows him everything going on, and the result is, well, you know, you got to trust God. I get that. I really do. But it doesn't solve the problem, right? Or it doesn't really address the problem very much. It just refocuses our attention onto God rather than on power, which, again, is fine. I'm okay with that. But when it comes to discussing power, it's still... You know me. I like to keep us uncomfortable. We need to stay in that discomfort to really not figure it out necessarily, but to um, discover where in the frontier we want to go or head towards. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, this, even just this discussion today has illustrated in some ways the absurdity of even talking about this at all. And what I mean (laughs) is not in the sense of, so you shouldn't do it, but in the sense of like, this is one, this is one of those things. That's a very Jacob moment. I think of I'm not letting go. And, you know, the experience of what's going on is going to change us. But at the same time, like, it it wasn't, it's not something that you can walk away from and just be like, there, that's done. Right? I mean, Jacob (sighs) had a limp for the rest of his life, and a different name and and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think, it is kind of absurd to talk about it, but not because we shouldn't, but just because we're always going to struggle. Um, because whether God is all powerful or powerful enough or whatever, it's still going to be hard for us to really, um, I don't know if we're ever going to like, like wrap it up and say, there you go. Um, but we should still work through those questions anyway, because those kind of questions are real people that are being affected, right? Whether it's the individual who's sick or the systemic injustice or the, you know, how does God act in my life or your life or the world in general? Like all of those things are important um, in terms of, at least I th- they seem important to me in terms of faith, like in a personal sense of how God works in, in us. Yeah. And for the record, I think God does. <laughs> I just don't know how. I really don't, you know? And it's like, so, the, you know, is God all powerful? Maybe. Is God not all powerful? Maybe. Like, I really don't know. I really don't well, know. I love what, so you, as I said with you, it seems like all powerful is closely connected to eminence. For me, it's got to be baptism, right? And, and of course, resurrection. Yeah, shocker, he says in <laughs> mouths. Uh, yeah, because I, I really like that. I like that, um, yeah, it does seem like we want power in certain places. 
and yet uncomfortable with it in other places. And there's no clean line for that, Mm -hmm. which is okay. And that's where I think also it's really important to listen to Job and to the wisdom literature to say, have those questions. Uh, God never rebukes Job for asking those questions. He just says, um, you know, you're, you know, you're a person right in the midst of this whole cosmos. Um, why don't you trust in me and, and worry about that? And I think there's complete wisdom in that as well, because if you're waiting to solve power, um, especially God's power, then I don't think you're ever going to get there in this life. Yeah, but at the same time, Job is one of the wisdom books. There's also Ecclesiastes, right? So right, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, it's it's yes and yeah, right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Ecclesiastes encourages us to rest with the why and the mm-hmm. the vapor of it all. Yeah, yeah. Proverbs says, "Here's how it is," and then Job says, "Except it's not," and then Ecclesiastes <laughs> says, "Yeah, but what is anything?" <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I think that's a good place to end with uh, omnipotence. Um, just food for thought, which is kind of what we do here. We're not trying to give any answers. Uh, I think this is one of those episodes where you can see we may be thinking about this, but we're not really f- further. We're not really like saying, oh, we have a hunch this is probably where it is. Uh, Well, I I think we could say that coercion seems to be where we're really wrestling with it more than anything else, but that's about as far as we've gotten. (laughs) Well, and Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there are ways that God's that or any coercive power isn't necessarily bad. Not to spring into mind, but maybe, right. And and I think um, what I would, what we would both love to hear is like, what are your thoughts about any of these things? You know, like how do you wrestle with God being all powerful or not? Um, you know, or the theodicy or the, you know, coercive power, whatever, just because I think everybody's own personal lives and experiences, as well as their theology and theological systems, like all of those things, like we ask the same questions about this, but we also ask different questions or the same ones from different angles. And all of those viewpoints are helpful. I think that's why we want as many different viewpoints at the table as we can get. That's why we need men and women and trans people and white people and black people and Asian people and every people, right? Because everybody's Mm going to ask different questions about these things and they're all helpful in the wrestling with them. Um, I, I don't know how far to take the wrestling metaphor, but it's a whole bunch of us wrestling, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that to say, like, we would be really interested to hear what you think about any of these things. Um, just because we're just two dudes, you know, who uh, have thought about this, but can't and don't try to think of everything. We never could. And we're just as lost as anybody else in this frontier. Mm-hmm. So email us at frontierfaithpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what we're thinking. No, what you're thinking. Yes. And uh, yeah, and help us in a, this journey. And we have a Discord, which nobody has joined. I don't know what's wrong with you people. Uh, <laughs> where, where are we putting the link that they can 
um, in the show notes. Yeah. Do I need to tell people what Discord is? Is that the problem? Or do you just hate me? I don't understand. I spent all of 40 seconds setting this up. Wow. That was <laughs> that escalated quickly from I'm kidding. Uh, people don't understand Discord to they must hate Ryan. Well, that's usually what I mean. If bad things happen, it's because <laughs> I deserve it and I'm worthless. I'm kidding. I've had lots of therapy. That's not true anymore. Um, You've been listening to Job's friends too much. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm hopefully being funny, um, but we do have a Discord if you'd like to join us. And just because that's a place where we could discuss this kind of stuff kind of ongoing if you want to. Um, and I think we have a link in the... Do we have notes for the episodes? Is that where... Yep. It'll okay. be down in the description. So if you want to. If not, I still love you. I promise. And Maybe uh, we should start like asking questions on the discord instead of waiting for people to do it. Maybe there's mm. sections where we can set that up. If you join our discord, Nate will give you a $500 <laughs> gift certificate to nowhere. <laughs> yeah, no, to our, to our store. <laughs> yes. To our store. <laughs> for all our merch. Yeah. So you can swag. set up our discord and you'll uh -huh. get $500 and our merch store. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Listen, folks, we're never going to have a merch store if you don't do this. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> we're kidding. You don't have to do this at all, but it's available if you want to. Yeah. So there you go. God is both all powerful and not all powerful and everything in between because we don't know. And we're exploring that just like we're exploring everything we talk about. And I will say as someone who always thought that these things were not explorable, because they were starting points and you couldn't, you know, there was nothing to even question. I had always been afraid to do so, but I found as I've engaged in things like Nate and I did today or reading things for people who have done so, it's actually been a lot of um, relief. It's been liberating. And I really do believe and promise that God can handle it. God's not afraid of these kinds of questions. And I think part of the reason we wrestle with them and wrestle with God like Jacob did is because God touches us, you know, God gives us something out of that experience. Um, and so that's just what we're hopeful that you will, will do as a result of this is wrestle with those things. And if maybe not that, maybe something else, I don't know, but like Nate said, let us know what you think. And we're glad that we're all exploring this together and whether God is all powerful or powerful enough, it will still be okay, I promise, and God will take care of us. <laughs>